You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, guys and gals, to episode 182 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. We're back uh with a brand spanking new uh episode that's what this is the episode it's just it's spanking i'm trying to <laughs> spank you you watch grounding grounded for life right yeah i don't remember anything about it but uh you remember his brother right the kind of scummy guy with the black hair yeah yeah he, he uh the guy who was uh, uh professor professorson <laughs> On Community, and then oh, he ended up yeah, yeah, yeah. teaching the Nicolas Cage class. Right. I saw him at a Starbucks in New York once. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, he was. Um, he 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 tried. He was put on this persona of being like a cool guy and like being hip to what's what's cool, you know. Even though he's like middle age, and uh, he said. Uh, I forget the context, but like he was trying to insist that kids are using the term spank as like cool or awesome. <laughs> and it's like the, one of the or kids. Fetch. <laughs> and uh, one of the kids is like, or he says, uh, you know, try uh, spank. The kids are saying spank nowadays. One of the kids is like, no, we're not. It's like, you will. <laughs> and then I think it did come up like several times over the course of the series. Anyway, I just, I remember him. Saying Nolans, like he went, he went to New Orleans and he came back and he was just like saying Nolans all the time. <laughs> when I went to New Orleans, I took a ghost tour, um, and this guy he he wasn't a native, but he'd lived there for the majority of his life, um, and uh, he's like, you know, there are a few things that you know New Orleaners, New Orleaners, I think that's what they're called. Uh, hate and he kind of prattled off a few things but one of the things he said was and when people say nolens we don't say nolens <laughs> i think that sounds really familiar i think that we might have had the same tour guy really like a wear a vest long hair i do remember a vest <laughs> he did wear a vest <laughs> there was definite vestige anyway how's it going taylor oh not so bad yeah. What's new? What's new? Uh, well, I just got back from Colorado a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, yeah. Fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this thing called an alpine slide, which is basically just a big slide in the middle of a mountain. And you ride this little like cart and it has a, a crank in the middle and you pull it back to so break. Pull it on your crank. Yeah. And you just pull your crank back and forth until you finish. Um, <laughs> no, you you pull it back to go to slow down, and you pull it, push it forward to go faster. And if you just leave it in the middle, you kind of you know go average speed. Um, 
And I went down once. It was it was fine. It was fun. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'd go again. And I was like, this time I'm just gonna go fucking full <laughs> throttle. I'm gonna what if I went faster? <laughs> I'm gonna just go balls out. Like, I um, got the need for, for speed. speed. I was gonna kick the tires and light the fires. Uh, but I, I hit a corner going a little too fast, and uh, happened. <laughs> the the sled flew out from underneath me, and I proceeded to slide a good I don't know hundred feet or so uh, down the slide. Um, I don't know if you can see on on Discord, but I got some some pretty wicked burn marks on my elbows uh, and on my hands. This one's all bandaged up. Damn, bro. It actually looks a lot better now than it did. It was it was pretty bad for a while. Yeah, like I didn't notice. So we had a, a barbecue at my house yesterday and had all our vaccinated friends over. Because people, I feel like we had probably about 20 people there. It was a shit ton of people. We've, we've had a lot of parties and barbecues at our house before, but never that many people. Uh, and I think people were just so eager to get out and do something. Yeah. <laughs> to go out and socialize and have a party. So, yeah, we had a shitload of people there. But anyway, yeah, you were there, and I think Lynn was telling me that you fucked yourself up, and, like, I hadn't noticed any injury, but then I saw your elbows are all scraped up. Yeah, the elbows are still... Actually, this knuckle's probably the worst, but... Well, yeah, that'll happen. (laughs) I mean, and it was funny, because her sister's fiancé was like, I didn't know you could fall off those. And I'm like, ah, living proof. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, then that was a good trip. Nice. Uh, is, I mean, just hung out with her family. And- it was her niece's first birthday. So, yeah, her whole, whole family came out and rented a house and stuff. That's quite the occasion for a one-year-old. Yeah. I mean, you only turn one once. Sure, yeah. And like, I never understood like why birthday, why one year birthdays are such a big deal because it's like the baby doesn't give a fuck. But it's the first, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you only turned thirty eight once, and that's why I'm having a big party. Not a big party. It's gonna be like six people. But <laughs> it's a tiny party. It's a tiny big party. Yeah. the The guest list is small, but the party's gonna be big. <laughs> We're going to shut that bitch down. Probably not. Oh, I'm going to be home by like 10 <laughs> at the latest. Cool. Yeah. Yourself? Just, uh, just being a dad. That's... How's the potato? <laughs> um, That's what you call him, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where it came from. I just started calling him a, calling him a potato. I, I don't remember why or or there's like a particular instance that caused me to start calling him that, but my wife fought it for the longest time and now she calls him potato too. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it pretty much consumes my every waking moment. He was pretty well behaved yesterday. Yeah. He's been a real shit the last few days though. <laughs> like this morning, uh, you know, I went to bed pretty late. Um, just because we, we've gotten in this habit of, like, in order to prevent ourselves from having to wake up multiple times in the middle of the night, um, we've been just staying up late and giving him one last feeding before we go to bed. And that usually pushes us out, you know, a few hours so we don't have to get up once in the middle of the night rather than two or three times. Um, anyway, so 
I don't know what time he woke up. I think it was maybe around 6.30. My wife went out and fed him. And then she tried to put him back to bed. And uh, apparently that didn't work out. Because I, I was sleeping. It was, it was a little before 9.30, which is when I had a, an alarm set for anyway. Uh, and she comes in and she's like, I need you to take him because I'm about to lose my mind. <laughs> uh, I'm like, okay, what? What's wrong? She's like, I've been, I went and fed him at 6, 6.30. And then I you know, changed him. Uh, I swaddled him and I brought him back in here and he would not go back to sleep. Uh, and I've been, he's been crying. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I hold him. I put him in his uh, boppy parents out there. Probably know what that is, but it's like a pillow with a little crevice in it it's for the baby to lay in. Um, uh, if I like lay him out on the couch, nothing is making him stop, stop crying. Like, okay. And she's like, he needs another bottle in about 10 minutes. So I, I got up, uh, went and changed him. And like, we have two very different parenting styles. <laughs> like, I don't put up with bullshit. <laughs> like, I have so, like, even though he's a baby, I have a little, very little patience with him. <laughs> so it's like, if he's losing his shit, my wife will just try and sit there. I don't know if she's like, feels like she has to pay some kind of penance or something, but she'll just sit there and like try to get him to calm down, even though he's like clearly inconsolable and just like losing his shit. I won't fuck with it. I will wrap him up tight in a blanket, like swaddle him and uh, just lay him down. And that's the only way he calms down. I've identified that. So that's what I do. But my wife just like refuses to do it. Anyway, so yeah, I went out. I immediately swaddled him. I didn't even give him a a chance to start crying um, and fed him. And yeah, then he slept for like three hours. Like, I don't don't know what to tell you. (laughs) But... Anyway, so yeah, I mean that—that's what we've been dealing with that that kind of stuff for like the last almost week. Uh, it's getting real old, <laughs> but no, I mean he's 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 for the most part a pretty pretty good baby um, as far as attitude. But attitude—it's <laughs> funny because yesterday we had you know we're at that age where a lot of our friends have babies. Yeah, we were talking about that on the way home. We were just like, when when did the switch flip where all of a sudden everybody has babies? Yeah. Yeah, we had a few different couples over that had, you know, kids under the age of like three. Um, and, you know, brought them all over. Uh, so there was just little kids running around, which was like a first uh, at our house. Um, but it's funny just seeing the different kind of personalities and personality types. And how different eight kids of the same age tend to act. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now one kid ate shit into the fire pit. Yeah, that was my niece. <laughs> that was almost. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Yeah, him. Yeah. It was like, I watched it happen in slow motion. And like, I told my wife about it later. She's I like, was convinced he was going to bash his head open. Oh, yeah. He was about two inches away from it. Ugh. Um, yeah, this kid came just trotting up, uh, like out of nowhere. It's like, because, you know, it was you, me, Jensen, and Jeremy just hanging out by the fire pit, just shooting the shit. There was no fire. There's no let's, fire. Let's, let's preface. <laughs> uh, just shooting the shit. Um, and uh, yeah, like almost out of nowhere, this kid just comes trotting up, does not break speed at all, and just marches right into the fire pit. Yep. 
and face plants into What's, it. What got me was he had the wherewithal to step up because it's like, you know, surrounded by rocks. Yeah. So he had the wherewithal to step up, but then he just like stepped like there was going to be ground there. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I told my wife about it later and she's like, why didn't you stop him? Or she, or she said, there's four of you over there. Why didn't you stop him? I'm like, because we were talking, not well, watching and, other people's kids. Well, I don't think any of us expected him to try and step into the fire. Yeah, no. I thought he would like, you know, step up on the rocks and stand there or walk around the outside or something. I didn't think he was just going to step into it. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the brief, you know, three seconds that I would have had to actually step up or stand up and stop him from falling in. It's like in my head, I'm just like, oh, yeah. Common sense would be that he would stop and not fall into the right. fire pit. But then it's like, okay, well, he's about two years old, so he doesn't have any common sense. <laughs> yeah. If he, and if he was about two inches taller, he would have just whacked his head on the opposite yep. side of the fireplace. Mm-hmm. I thought he had. Uh, because there was like a, you know, a, a five-second response time before he started crying. And so I thought he knocked his head out or knocked his head and knocked himself out or something. But anyway, kids are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, my my uh, sister in law's kid. So I think she was there was a Cheeto on the ground, so I don't know if she was like intending to just look at it or pick it up and eat it or what. But she like was on the edge of the deck, and our, our deck's only about two inches off the ground. Um, and uh, but she's like on the edge of the deck, leaning over, and she falls, <laughs> and there. My patio is all broken to shit, so there's a section that's all dirt and rocks, and she just happened to fall right in that area. <laughs> just, like, fell into all this dirt and rocks, like, right on her face. And it's like, oh, my God. But, anyway. Kids. Kids. Uh, no, he, we just had his uh, two-month checkup um, last week. Everything's going pretty well. Weight's still good? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's like, he's like a little under the 50th percentile, like kids, like the 50th percentile of, for those that don't know what that means, 50th percentile is like average, like dead average. Um, It's about 12 pounds for boys. Um, And uh, he was, I think, a little under 11 pounds. So... He's about a pound shy of what would be considered average, but he was also almost a month early. So, right. and he, uh, you know, we were just shoving formula down his throat. Um, and recently, we started feeding him more, less often. So I think that has been much less stressful for us. So there's that. That's pretty much my entire life. That's uh, that's all I do anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I, I'm basically just on the clock dad for, you know, three days out of the week. And the other two days I'm, I'm working because I still have to work part time. So that's all I do. Fun. Too much fun. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Well, anything else you want to talk about? Um. Have we talked about what we're doing at Crypticon on the show? I don't think we have. So, I, I mean, we've talked before with <clears throat> Crypticon Seattle. We go every year, minus last year for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, we usually do like panels or something. And we're, you know, a part of the Crypticon family. Uh, this year, we, I don't, I think we have a tentative time 
I don't know that it's hammered in, into stone yet, but uh, we're going to be doing a best of the Grave Plot Film Fest panel. That's right. Yeah, we're going to have about a it's an hour slot mm-hmm. to I mean, we'll probably show like four or five of our best films. Yeah, I've already reached out to the filmmakers and I've gotten all but one responding that they're like, yeah, go for it. Nice. Um, one of the guys said he's going to try and come. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Uh, let's face Alex. Yep. <laughs> He's a good guy. Yeah, one of our directors, a guy that won, I don't know if he won audience favorite. It was audience favorite. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he flew up from LA to uh, to come to the film festival, which was awesome. Which at the time, he didn't know he was going to win an award. Yeah, that was just kismet, I guess. Yeah. So, is that right? Serendipitous? Or is that in- interchangeable? I think they're interchangeable. Okay. We also wonder, like, I don't know how much of a posse he brought, so he could have swung the results in his favor. Yeah, yeah, that that's the one downside of having an audience favorite is that you know when we have a theater full of people and just like live voting, because we set up an online form or you know a a poll for people to uh, respond to as we're running the film festival. So it's like you know people could vote for something that we haven't even shown yet. Yeah. Um, people come to support their friends mm-hmm. or whatever, and they just automatically vote for that, which is fine. I mean, it's it's more of a, a fun award than anything. Yeah, I mean, it, like, yeah, uh, the like the the other awards, like you know, best director, best film, uh, most original, all those ones, those are already chosen before we even start the festival, right? So. Anyway, um, yeah, so that'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're in the Pacific Northwest area, then come check us out, CryptoConSeattle.com. We'll be there doing some other stuff over the weekend, too. Uh, we just don't know what yet. Yeah. Yeah, you got email from Jason, right? Yeah. I responded and told him to fuck off. <laughs> Eat my dick. I told him to shove his head up his own ass. He said, okay. <laughs> you know, it's weird. He usually it feels like he usually starts planning this stuff like in like January for May, uh, but this time he starts planning in like July for August. Yeah, so everything's like, kind of ramped up. Yeah, luckily he has all of his old panels from last year that they were were going to do. So he said like he's gonna you know scrap some that aren't really relevant anymore and you know add some new ones in. Uh, but more or less, they're all set in stone. So, so August 27th through, through the 29th. Right. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right, before we get into the main meat, the, the, the meatiness of the show, so we have a meaty show here. So meaty. <laughs> uh, we do want to thank our gravediggers over on Patreon. These lovely folks help support the show financially. Uh, we don't have an expensive show, but it does cost money, and it's not usually money we have because we're very poor, and I have a kid. <laughs> I have another excuse not to have money. Um, but, uh, yeah, those people are Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, Gory B. Movie, Max Zaleski, Aaron Meyer, yeah, Aaron Meyer, Bob Voorhees, and Kevin Nesgoda. So uh, thank you so much, guys, for all your help. It uh, means the world to us. 
Taylor, if anybody else wants to join the party, where can they go? They can go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Podcast. Get perks for as little as $1, including joining us live for Horror Business each and every episode. Uh, you're willing, you're uh, welcome to, to chip in your thoughts and prayers <laughs> <laughs> um, during the show. We might read them live on air. If it's not stupid. Yeah. It's not something dumb. <laughs> I like peanut butter. Nobody <laughs> cares. Uh, I like peanut butter too, but nobody cares. And then, you know, we got different tiers for different amounts. You can get more things. Uh, if somebody donates $100, I will get a tattoo of a fat unicorn on my ass. I had a suggestion the other day, or yesterday, for something. And now I can't remember what it was. It was just doing a, a live reading of a Letterkenny episode. Right. <laughs> Wasn't it supposed to be like off the top of our heads or something? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Which I think we could pull off. Probably. We're smart guys. Nah, (laughs) we just get obsessive Uh, and all the money goes back into the show we're not pocketing any of it like tony said you know we got some hosting fees and stuff we got to pay and anything above that just goes into a bank and goes towards things like the great plot film fest which we are uh starting to amp up production on yep we are uh hoping to do it live again in 2022 after doing it virtually this year yeah i mean it's kind of bittersweet because I felt like we were able to reach more people. Um, I mean, our our attendance was much lower d- being virtual, which was a little disappointing. But we had the ability to get the show out to more people. Yeah. People that wouldn't have been able to come to Seattle otherwise. Right. Um, so going back to doing live, while that's more fun, I feel like we're cutting off the rest of the world again. Yeah. But, you know. Them's the breaks. Unless we can figure out a way to do both. Which might be more trouble than it's worth. Maybe we could like film it and then that could be a perk or something for if we do an Indiegogo or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just give them access to the you know, video file or not the, the actual video files, but maybe a YouTube video that we posted in, in secret. Right. Secret videos. Yeah. <laughs> That kind of thing. <laughs> All right. Secret clandestine YouTube videos. You know, the YouTube they don't tell you about. <laughs> YouTube underground. The dark web. <laughs> dark web. All right. Um, you want to do some horror business? I suppose. Let's go. All right, so anybody who's even slightly been paying attention to the news lately knows that the Pentagon recently released a file of a bunch of declassified um, documents regarding UFOs. Or UAPs, UAPs. as they're calling them now. Uh, Unidentified aerial phenomena. Phenomena. (laughs) (laughs) It's a phenomena. Do you remember that in Living Color sketch? Uh, Sort of, yeah. Jim Carrey was the amazing Kreskin. Right. It's a phenomenon. <laughs> uh, um anyway, yeah, so um I don't I don't know the, the finer details of it, but from what I can glimpse is that 
basically there are a number of instances where UAPs were seen and as far as the government stands, you know, is is ready to declassify, none of them have been identified except well all except one. Yeah. Uh, which was uh, a balloon. Yeah. yeah. Um, the rest of them are still unidentified. Now, don't get excited, <laughs> alien hunters, because at no point does anything in this document say anything about aliens or alien spacecrafts or anything. Flying saucers. It's just like we saw something in the sky, don't know what it is. Oh, well. Yeah, it's it's an unidentified aerial phenomenon in the most literal sense of the term. But I mean, I know there are people out there that are still going to say, "Oh, it's definitely aliens." <laughs> aliens. I was just watching something recently where that guy was in it. Oh, uh, that Resident Alien show. He was on. <laughs> he, he was in it. Uh, um, fuck, I can't remember the character's name now. But um, I'm totally spacing. Alan, Alan Tudyk. Thank you. Can't be only see Alan Thick. I'm like, that's not right. No, he's dead. <laughs> um, he goes to an alien convention, and the guy's there. It's like a guest speaker. Oh. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. So. The point of all this is that uh, Netflix is going to be releasing a docu series, uh, which is covering the recent quote proof of UFOs. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be titled Top Secret UFO Projects, colon, Declassified. Uh, the project is being billed as an original f- original factual tele- television series featuring the most recent information as and proof exposing the most top secret government projects that handled contacts with cover, cover-ups. Contacts with and cover-ups Thank of. You. Thank you. I'm so tired, man. Fuck. <laughs> I've been trying to wake up like all morning. That's a, that's a weird sentence, too, though. It is. Uh, okay, so context with and cover-ups of extraterrestrial presence on Earth. Now, let me reiterate. Nowhere in this document does it say anything about extraterrestrials. No, there is no proof. <laughs> there is no... Uh, I mean, information is... Like Tony said, It's the information is, yeah, we don't know. Yeah. And you know... The information is no information. It's funny because this seems like... This would make you think that like Netflix is like, oh, let's let's unveil this conspiracy about aliens. It's like, no, they're fucking making money because people <laughs> will watch it. It's just like all the fucking murder shows they they make. They don't care about the victims or or the history of the of the of the murders themselves. They just want people to watch it so they make money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wasn't born yesterday. Um. Num, 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 num. Uh, though claims of extraterrestrial count- encounters have long bis- been... Fucking Christ. <sighs> i center myself. Though claims of extraterrestrial encounters have long been dismissed, many believe the existence of UFOs is not just likely, but a certainty. Certainty. <laughs> I like how that's like... I don't think it's their tagline, but that's like... Their selling point is like a lot of people still think that they exist. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, oh, well, I'll watch this then if there's people that think it. Yeah. It's just like Bigfoot, Kevin. <laughs> there is zero factual proof that Bigfoot ever existed. There's also and, a lot of people that still think Trump won the election. Well, sure. But yeah, th- that's just fucking delusion. It's like 
just because there's no, like, people that say that there's no proof, or I feel like fanatic people try to act like the fact that there's no proof is proof in itself, which is just absolutely ridiculous. That's like one of those things where it's like, you can't prove I'm wrong. Yeah. Like, there's literally no way to prove they're wrong because an absence of proof is proof to them. Exactly. That's like Bigfoot. You know, presumably something that lives out in the woods is not of the highest intelligence. How could something remain hidden in the woods for thousands of years and nobody has any remote evidence of it? Yeah. Except a video that's been debunked multiple times over. There's no footprints. There's no, like, habitats found. Yeah. Like There's no shit. I'll, I'll, Literally. I'll, I'll quote, I'll quote Carlos, Carlos Rodella, a former guest. <laughs> Where's the shit? Where's the poop, Robin? <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, even though... Like, I... So, I think I've mentioned this on the show before. My stance on aliens is that, yeah, they probably exist, but no, I don't think they've ever been to Earth. Right. Because why would you? If you have the uh, ability in your um, in your species to you know, craft or ma- make a spacecraft that's capable of interplanetary or intergalactic travel, why would you come to Earth when we can't even uh, ag- agree on like who won an election? Yeah. For Christ's sake. Um, anyway, so, uh, top secret UFO projects, colon declassified, uh, premieres on August 3rd on Netflix. So if you got Netflix and you think, uh, that the, the absence of proof is proof itself, then this is a show for you. If you want to watch a documentary on things you could just read about online. Yeah. The dark web. Not even the dark web. Yeah. The regular web. The fucking Huntington Post. Like... (laughs) So that's it. A man named Jeremy makes almost everyone commit suicide. Just arrive at the end. So uh, what the world needs now is more Night of the Living Dead content. More George Romero-inspired content. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, the... Uh, it's it's fair use, so everyone's just like, I'm going to make a fucking Night of the Living Dead movie. Yeah. Who, who's going to stop me? Yeah. You? <laughs> um, yeah, there have been so many, like, unofficial sequels or remakes, remakes side makes, reboots... Yeah, fake outs, whatever. Spin-offs. I got a guy I'm friends with on Facebook, and actually the reason I'm friends with him on Facebook is because I reached out to him several years ago um, because he was making a movie called Night of the Living Dead Genesis. Um, And he got actual, he actually got Judith Day to be in the movie. Um, And I, I saw some can't remember if I saw actual clips or just some stills, but it looked like it had some promise. And I don't know, he's been trying to make it for years. It's just roadblocks and financial troubles and things like that. But anyway. Anyway, uh, there is now, I 
as far as I know, the first movie to call itself just straight up Night of the Living Dead 2. Because why not? Uh, this is obviously an unofficial sequel to George A. Romero's horror classic. Uh, Mark Slabine or Slabin? Slabbing. Slobbing. Uh, who made The Dark Offerings. I don't know what that is. Never heard of it. Uh, he's behind it. And it, it notably, notably features Terrifier star David, David, David. <laughs> David Howard Thornton as one of the film's undead. Uh, he plays a character named Sharkbait, who is a, just a big fat guy with a big chunk bit out of his side. Yeah, it's so weird because as far as I know, there's only like one still floating around the internet of him. Uh, and like you'd, you'd never know. Like, it looks nothing like yeah. him. Um, David Howard Thornton, for those who don't know, played Art the Clown in Terrifier. Uh, and, and the upcoming and, Terrifier And the upcoming too. Terrifier 2, which has apparently wrapped, by the way. Uh, but in addition to DHT, uh, original Day of the Dead stars Laurie Cardill, um, Terry Alexander, and Jarlath Conroy are in the new movie. Uh, it's unknown if they're playing the same characters that they play in Day of the Dead. Uh, they they all had very small roles. They're not prominent. Um, but like you were saying with the, the Genesis guy, you know, it's getting some kind of tie to the original gives it at least some kind of clout. Yeah. Uh, Night of the Living Dead 2 takes place on a remote island where a small group of survivors of the zombie apocalypse take shelter only to face fresh terror when the flesh eaters find their way ashore. Wasn't that kind of Survival of the Dead? Mm, sort of. Wasn't that on an island? Yeah. I think so. But like, I don't know. I, I, I only bothered to watch it like once, so I don't really remember a lot of details about it. But yeah, I think it was some island, but it wasn't really clear about where it was. Yeah. Because it could have been like an island off of... England. But it was like a western. They were like cowboys on an island. Yeah, it was definitely like a, you know, Hatfield McCoy type thing. Right. Like, a, you know, a clan feud. Yeah. Which, you know, you'd think would add something to it, but it really didn't. No, not particularly. <laughs> um, and, of course, I just think of the end of the Dawn of the Dead remake where they go to the island. Yeah, that that's where my mind went to. And it's all like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> They should have just replayed the uh, um, Richard Cheese version. That would have been better. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's that's about all the news we have on this. Um, I don't think it started filming or anything yet. Uh, but keep an eye out for Night of the Living Dead 2. I mean, it must have started filming because there's that picture of DHT and oh, fair costume. Point. Unless they were just doing some kind of camera test or something. Yeah. <clears throat> falling, falling, falling. All right, we're getting news about an upcoming film called Fall into Darkness, uh, which is the the uh, the brainchild of directors Roxanne Benjamin and David Bruckner. Um, both of them previously worked on the uh, Bloody Disgusting 
um, uh, anthology. Thank you. Anthology film VHS. Um, also Southbound, uh, which is also an anthology. Um, Southbound was good. Southbound was pretty good. And then Roxanne Benjamin also worked on Double uh, X, which was also, was also an anthology. anthology. <laughs> um, she did. She actually had a feature length. Body at Brighton Rock. That's the one. Yeah, we and we did that on the show. Um, David Breckner, he's he's uh, done uh, VHS, but he also directed um, The Ritual, which we watched. Oh, that was good, too. That was a good one. Um, and also, he is going to be directing the upcoming Hellraiser remake. So, Hellraiser. So, he's getting around. Um, but, yeah, they're working together on Fall into Darkness. Uh, Roxanne Benjamin's going to direct um, and Bruckner's writing with uh, Nick Tikoski. I'm not familiar with. Um, this is going to be an adaptation of a 2014 Spanish language film called La Cueva from Morena Films. Um, La Cueva. Looks like uh, Tchaikovsky is is he must be like partners with Bruckner because he worked on VHS and he did Siren. Oh, okay. What are you? The Cueva Cave. Okay. So apparently, yeah, the Cueva, which translates to the cave. Um, so I, par- I assume there's going to be some kind of cave in this movie. Seems a safe bet. <laughs> um, yeah, Breckner and Tchaikovsky developed the story with Pedro Uriel and Juan Gordon. Okay. Uh, of Marina Films. Uh, so I'm guessing they must have been involved with the original. I assume. Yep. Um, Stands to reason. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) It's being described as a Lord of the Flies tale about American backpackers stranded with locals in a vast cave system. There There it is. There's the cave. In the Dominican Republic. Uh, Nell Tiger Free, uh, Thomas Doherty, Lorenza Izzo. Uh, Is Eli Roth involved in this? I think they broke up. Did they? I think so. Yeah. Is she any better act, better at acting? No. <laughs> Tiger Free, Thomas Doherty, and Lorenzo Izzo will star. Um, production is scheduled to begin uh, this fall at La, T- La, La, La Quinta. <laughs> La Quinta in Iguala, Iguala, Washington. Uh, Lantica Pinewood Studios in the Dominican Republic. So, not a lot to go on, but but some good names. Yeah, uh, I mean the Lord of the Flies element of it. You got to assume there's going to be just a lot of like, you know, political unrest and you know, you know, uh, kind of like a tribal thing where where people are constantly trying to take take leadership and you know not liking how other people are running things and you know just superiority complexes that kind of thing. Like Lord of the Flies. Like you, you've seen it, or you read it, you've read the book. Um, so there you go, and that's all we know. M- m- moving on. <laughs> I just moved in my new house today. Moving was hard, but I got squared away. Bell started ringing and changed right loud. I knew I'd moved in a haunted house. 
So the haunted house horror novel, The Turn of the Key, uh, written by Ruth Ware, is getting a big screen adaptation. And what's exciting about this is that it's going to be from Working Title, who is the film studio behind uh, the upcoming Last Night in Soho, and of course, the impeccable Shaun of the Dead. Right. Uh, They have optioned the rights to the best-selling novel. The Turn of the Key tells the story of a young woman who stumbles across an ad to take a position as a live-in nanny at a high-tech smart house in the Scottish Highlands. In spite of the extremely generous salary, a beautiful location, an incredible home, and the seemingly picture-perfect family, it soon becomes clear that all is not what it seems. Spoopy. I feel like these smart home horrors are becoming a a pretty big subgenre. Yeah, they're kind of making their way in. I mean, because... You know, it's 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 a little scary to give your information to an AI. I mean, we've seen we've all seen Terminator, yeah. But uh, uh, you know, Simpsons did it. It's true they did. <laughs> um, there was that one. Fuck that one movie we watched with um, Ed Screen and um, Anya Taylor Joy was in it. About the smart house? I can't remember. I'm not it's called sure what movie you're talking about. Actually, you know what? I think that may have been a movie or uh, an episode you weren't on. I think you were, may have been gone. Uh, Tau. That's what it was. Oh, no, I was on that. Were you? Yeah. Okay. No, that was, um, uh, what's her name? Mike from It Follows. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and Gary Oldman was the voice of Tao, so. Should have been Pierce Brosnan. Just because? Because he was the voice of the smart home on The Simpsons. Ah. Um, let's see. Uh, this is. Yeah, you're talking about this. Yep. (laughs) I'm going to take a step back. You're standing on my dick. (laughs) Uh, this is going to be written from Spiral from the Book of Saw star Max Minella. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, he made his screenwriting debut with The Ninth Life of Louis Drax, which was directed by Alexander Aja. I don't know this movie. Not familiar with it. Um, it's also going to be written or co-written uh, with by Jamie Bell, who is, wrote Rocket Man and Fantastic Four. I'm hoping that... Uh, I think he was in those movies. Oh, he's an actor too? I'm pretty sure. Is that the Harlan Williams Rocket Man? No, I'm pretty sure that's the Elton John. I want it to be the Harlan Williams one. <laughs> and I want it to be the Fantastic Four with Debris DeBardo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy. He was Billy Elliot, if you remember that movie. That was like... 20 years ago. It was about 21 years ago, yeah. <laughs> but he played uh, The Thing in Fantastic Four. Um, no, he didn't. The commission played The Thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he was in that shitty movie Jumper with uh, Anakin Skywalker and Nick Fury. Never saw that one. And don't bother. <laughs> but it has Samuel L. Jackson in it? Yeah. Then it must be good. <laughs> He's in everything. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I, the biggest thing that turns me on about this, not turns me on, that's gets you hot. <laughs> that is provocative. Uh, the biggest thing that interests me about this is that it's coming from working title. Uh, mm-hmm. 
no director signed on yet. Maybe Edgar Wright needs a project. If I mean, if Edgar Wright's directing, it can't be all bad. Can't be can't, all bad. Can't be what now? All bad. Bad. <laughs> you know, bad. Um, That's how people on the East Coast say it. I don't think so. Or something. Maybe in Jersey. You never, you never seen Jersey. You don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Could be cool. Yeah, I know yeah. nothing about the book. Me neither. Because I don't read it. books. I can't, honestly. Last I read time, magazines. I don't even read magazines. I've got so many comic books. I go and get new comic books like every couple weeks just because I have a, a pull list at the, sh- at the shop. Uh, but I'll go pick them up. It's just kind of a ritual. And like, I haven't read them in so long. Yeah, you just sit on your bookshelf or whatever. They sit in a stack. Like, I don't even take them out of the plastic bag. They're just, they're just sitting there. I just got stacks of plastic bags of comics in them. <laughs> Tried my wife insane. You're like, this is our son's inheritance. I These mean, will be worth something someday. You know, it's not so much that. It's like, that's something I definitely want to share with my kid when he's old enough yeah. to appreciate them. Because, you know, at, at, I'm getting completely off course now, but like, that's all right. We're running short on time <laughs> or long on time. Um, comic books have always been a passion of mine. Uh, and it's something that my brother and I shared and my son is named after my brother. So that's something I kind of want to try and get him into. I'm not going to f- try and force it on him, but if it's something I can get him interested in, that'd be, a, I think a fun bonding thing for us. So, yeah, I mean, I probably have a lot of comics and, you know, I haven't read, you know, 70% of them, but still I will someday, someday. Uh, yeah. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride. Speaking of comic books, I was gonna say what a great inadvertent segue. Totally unplanned. How about that? Um. Uh, Mike Flanagan Ding Dong is working on. You uh, might know him by his stage name, Mike Flanagan. <laughs> right. Uh, he, he shortened it for Hollywood. Um, who recently came off the Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, uh, did Hush, a bunch else? of other Stephen King stuff. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Gerald's Game. Um, yeah. Mostly Stephen King stuff, seems like. He's a big Stephen King fan. Um, but he is co writing. Stephen King rules. Sure. Like the shirt. You've seen the shirt. What shirt? <laughs> you that kid? Uh, well, not a kid. He's an old man, but uh, he just had a heart attack. Oh, no. Like a, like a pretty bad one. Oh, Dr. Sleep. That's right. I knew there was another big one I couldn't think of. Um, anyway, so uh, he is co-writing a series adaptation of the comic book, Something is Killing the Children. Now, before you ask, I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> um... But uh, it was created by James Tinian IV and Werther Del Edria for Boom Studios. Okay, that's why I'm not really a big Boom You're not a reader. Boom guy? Not a Boom guy. Or a guy. Doom guy. <laughs> doom. <laughs> Guys, if you haven't listened to our last episode, at least listen to the part where we fucking talk about our stupid game show because we have been making jokes about it for two weeks now. <laughs> um. Okay, uh, Hollywood Reporter. That's not really that impressive, though, because, I mean, we made jokes about 
fucking sugar foot for two weeks. <laughs> and uh, also, are you enjoying your shrimp? <laughs> One of them greasy eyes. <laughs> We've been making that joke for two years now. <laughs> uh, Tony. Tony. Yep. Uh, you got any gum? <laughs> he just, just asked if you got any gum. Just like, like, just like, like that. that. <laughs> 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 oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, Hollywood Reporter is reporting uh, that Flanagan and The Haunting of Hill House and Dr. Sleep partner Trevor Macy are co-writing and executive producing a pilot for a potential Netflix series. Go figure. Since I think he may have sold his soul to Netflix. Um, the project is an early development, but should move forward. Macy, the opposite producer opposite Flanagan, the director, uh, would serve as showrunner, uh, first for the duo. Uh, it is unclear at this stage if Flanagan would direct episodes. I don't have to assume. At least the pilot. That's that's When you got like a big name director who's the producer, usually he directs at least like the pilot or like the finale or something. Yeah. You know, he's usually, and maybe a handful in between. Yeah. He's usually in there somewhere. Like when Frank Darabont did Walking Dead. Yeah. Until they forced him out. Yeah. But he has TV with Frank Darabont. <laughs> it's not TV. It's TV with Frank Darabont. Um, I just realized that HBO's slogan was, it's not TV, it's HBO. And Entourage was on HBO. <laughs> Good connection. Fucking Josh Weinstein with the vertical integration. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The plot goes as follows. When the children of Archer's Peak begin to go missing, everything seems hopeless. Most children never return, but the ones that do have terrible stories, impossible stories of terrifying creatures that live in the shadows. Their only hope of finding and eliminating the threat is the arrival of a mysterious stranger. One who believes that the children and claims that the one who believes the children and claims to see what they can see. Her name is Erica Slaughter. Okay. Uh, she kills monsters. That's all she does, and she bears the cost because it must be done. The greater good. <laughs> the greater good. Uh, the comic book series, which came out in June of twenty nineteen, was nominated for an Eisner for Best New Series. <laughs> Eisner. Eisner, which is a comic book award. Um, for best new series in uh, 2020, so it's got some clout. It seems like, I, like I said, I'm not familiar with the book. I've never read it, but if that synopsis is uh, accurate, it seems like it would translate well to a miniseries. Yeah. So, so there you go. And we're both big Planet of Ding Dong fans, so <laughs> as he likes to call. <laughs> So uh, there's that. Um, yeah, no word on when this is actually coming. Or I mean, actually, I guess we don't know for sure it's even going to be on Netflix. But um, it's Flanagan, so you can assume that it is. Since most, of I his think projects, Netflix is willing to give him the keys. Yeah, he's he's kind of their go-to guy lately. I think as far as horror goes, unless horror. somebody else comes with like a big big fat check or something. Yeah, I expect it to be on Netflix. Yep, 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 yep. Yep, 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 yep. Netflix. Do dum doom. Fire, 
staying on the subject of Mike Flannel and a Ding Dong, this was a much more deliberate segue. We are on fire with the segues. <laughs> oh. Just, oh. <laughs> that was gross. I felt dirty about that. Uh, it's, it's about that time. The uh, October events are coming back this year after missing last year, again, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But it looks like a bunch of stuff's going to be coming back. Disneyland announced uh, Oogie Boogie Bash is coming back. Looks like Not Scary Farm is starting to ramp up. Still no word on Dark Harbor. Keeping my fingers crossed. Are you going? Maybe. Oh. Well, fuck you then. <laughs> uh, but Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. Horror Nights has officially announced their first maze, and it's going to be The Haunting of Hill House. Did you? I think... Yesterday, when you were telling me about this, you you said uh, uh, House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, that's probably that sounds like something I'd do. I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. But mm. all right, cool. Yeah, this makes more sense. This is a making mo- a maze on a movie from 1997. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, this makes more sense. This is much more of a contemporary <laughs> uh, uh, property. But why would you make these things so sound so fam- so uh, similar? Well, I mean, in fairness, how the Hunting of uh, Hill House was written like. 60 years ago <laughs> and wasn't house on Haunted Hill. Oh, they got was a Vincent price movie. I, was just... I guess that's true. I don't uh, know, man. I didn't write the fucking thing. Well, maybe you should have. <laughs> okay. I'm going to build a time machine. <laughs> I'm going to go back and write this goddamn book. Punch Vincent price in the face. <laughs> uh, the ghosts of Hill house are coming to both Orlando and Hollywood. Iconic scenes from the Netflix series will be featured throughout the maze, including the omni-powerful Red Room, the heart of Hill House, and the infamous Hall of Statues, where deceptive powers overtake everyone who enters. Apparitions will appear around every corner, from William Hill, the tall man whose towering statue overwhelms everyone he encounters, to the ghost in the basement who feverishly crawls through the bowels of the house in search of his next victim, to the bent-neck lady whose disturbing scream and ghastly appearance invoke a constant state of unnerving dread. Doom. <laughs> do doom. Where they randomly dump hot syrup on you. <laughs> That's the second announcement from Universal Studios is the grave plot doom maze. <laughs> right. Which is just a black room with weird twists and turns. And if you go the wrong way, we dump hot syrup on you. So, you know, look out for that. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy our syrup. The trick is... You bring your own pancakes. And then when you hear doom, you just sidestep and stick out the pancakes. <laughs> boom, free syrup. Now be careful because you might get more syrup than you like. Oh, you're definitely getting too much syrup. <laughs> it's like too much tuna. <laughs> uh, the Halloween Horror Nights events begin on Friday, September 3rd in Orlando and Thursday, September 9th in Hollywood. Both events running select nights through Sunday, October 31st. Select tickets and vacation packages are now available. Uh, At Orlando, tickets for the event at Universal Studios Hollywood will be available soon. TBD. Soon. (laughs) Uh, I will say, if you go to this, uh, get the Express Pass or whatever it's called. When when we went two years ago, we saw like three mazes. Yeah, or I mean like, you know. And we didn't get to see any of the, I guess we just saw House of a Thousand Corpses. Most of the ones we saw were not like branded. Yeah. I mean, 
if you're not going to buy the Express Pass, which I'm contrary to what Taylor says, I don't think it's worth it. But um, I mean, that's just my personal belief. But you know, if you go, just kind of head your expectations. Don't expect that you're going to get in all the mazes. It's just not going to happen. You know, try to pick like the top three ones that you want to see and just go with those. If you have extra time, then go to a different one. But just make sure you're committing your time to the ones you actually want to see and don't, you know, waste time with ones that you could really care less about and you're just going to waste time in the line. After having been there twice now, those, those are my experiences. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even go to the ones that I would have wanted, that I would prefer to see because they had the longest lines. Yeah. And we also got there later. We didn't get there super early. In yeah. The yeah, we, we did. Or no, So we got there late because we took forever to get out of the fucking airport. Yeah. Yeah, we went there the same day we arrived. Actually, not so much getting out of the airport because we, we took the the shuttle from the airport to the, to the rental place. And then just getting from L.A. to Hollywood or, or Universal City. It was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Because we went there on Friday night, which was a big fucking mistake. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't don't try to go anywhere uh, on Friday night in L.A. It's just not a good idea. <laughs> Stay out of the city. Okay. That's our business. We yes. made it. We did it, guys. And yeah, we are a little short on time. We, we have finished sooner than normal. Story of my life. <laughs> oh, your poor girlfriend. <laughs> it, hey, it happens to a lot of guys. I'm just really tired. <laughs> I've had a hard day. I'm really stressed out. Okay. Well, I just want to put on record that I do not have <laughs> issues in that department. <laughs> oh. Too much fun. <laughs> okay. So we're going to move on, guys. We're going to do some film reviews. All right. So I'm just realizing this is the first time we said this this episode, but the film reviews for this uh, episode... Episode, episode, episode. Just get a few more in there. Why not? Okay. I said episode several times. Oh. So I'll just get a few more in. Why All not? Fuck it. Yep. The, uh, Are you having an episode? <laughs> Always. <laughs> the movies we watched uh, were picked by our Patreon patrons, or our grave diggers, as we, as we lovingly call them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes lovingly. Um, At least once a year, we let them pick the movies. We just open it up on Patreon and say... Let us know what you want to see. We picked two. Uh, we only had three to pick from this time. Yeah. So it wasn't a hard choice. Or was it? <laughs> I mean, considering the third one was like a crime drama. What? <laughs> as far as I could tell, it didn't even look like a horror movie. Who suggested that? Miss Goda. Fucking Kevin. Okay. Well, so we watched uh, 2016's A Dark Song. And chosen by Kevin Nesgoda. Right. And 2008's Lake Mungo. Chosen by Max Zaleski. Um, we didn't discuss who's going to be talking about which one. So uh, you you get Mungo. Okay. Well, which one do you want to start with? Uh, 
Let's start with Mongo. I feel like something bad is going to happen to me. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. Family and friends the normally tranquil Palmer setting of Ararat's mortal dam was to a young woman taken too soon. Ten days after Ellie's funeral, stuff started happening around the house. Sounds seemed to come from Ellie's old room. They didn't really relent, so I thought, well, I'll just set up a camera to, you know, I see anything. I looked back and there was footage of a figure moving across the hallway. The image was quite unsettling because it certainly looked like Alice. I want you to close your eyes. I usually uh, videotape my sessions. Something was happening inside that house and I wanted to find out what it was. We checked the tapes. There was a ghost in our house. kept secrets. She kept the fact she kept secrets a secret. Something bad is going to happen to me. Alice knew she was going to die. I feel like something bad has happened. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. And it's getting closer. Uh, like Mungo Jim. What's Mungo Jim? When the weather's hot and the something, 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 you know, the song, you know, the song, yeah, you know how it goes. When the summer's hot, I'd be hopping and bopping all the time. Yep. <laughs> that song, that's Mungo Jim. I did not know that. Well, there you go. I don't know if he's like Australian or what, but that's his name. Maybe he just really likes like Mungo. Maybe. It's apparently a real place, I discovered while it is, searching yeah. this movie in Wikipedia. <laughs> All right, so Lake Mungo uh, is a 2008 film. You know what that means. Spoiler Let's alert. spoil this shit. Spoiler the dick off of it. Spoil it all over the place. Uh, 2008 Australian film. Um, it's listed as a psycho- psychological horror. Horror. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's kind of a, of a ghost story mm, yeah more or less <clears throat> um so it's shot and you know the women in our audience <laughs> if we have any would probably know best but this is shot very similar to like a murder documentary where people recount the uh the death of a loved one at the hands of a loved one or something like that um where it uh, they're talking to the Palmer family, who was it like four or five years prior, um, their daughter Alice was or died. She, and ex- she drowned. Yeah, no, no, no real explanation beyond that, other than they were at Lake um, Mungo. Were they at Lake Mungo? Yeah. Okay. Remember um, where they saw in her calendar it said Lake Mungo? But that was a school trip. That was a different different thing. So I thought maybe they were at a different place. Oh, now I don't know. It's not really important, I guess. She, they, she does go to Lake Mungo, but it's later. Um, anyway, so they're on a family trip just at a, a beach of one sort or another. You know, Maybe Lake Mungo, we don't know. Um, but yeah, apparently 
at some point, Alice goes off to swim and disappears. Um, and, you know, like any family would do, they call, call the police. Um, the police calls out search and rescue. Um, this uh, takes place in Ararat, um, which is in Vict- uh, Victoria, uh, or near Victoria or something. I'm not all that familiar with uh, Australian geography. But I know they called in. Called in. It's uh, about 198 kilometers west of Melbourne. Well, there you go. Uh, so they called in a search and rescue team from Melbourne, or Melbourne. Melbourne, I believe it's Melbourne. Melbourne. Um, and they dragged the lake and uh, just are unable to find her. Um, I think several months go by, and Alice's body is discovered. Um, it's some kind of like drainage dam or, or, or something like that. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, I mean, for, for months, you know, the family didn't know what happened to her. She was assumed that, it, that she had drowned, but no, the, the parents still kind of, you know, were holding out hope that she was alive. Somewhere yeah. There. Um, but there's no body. So it's like you know, the whole baby's corpus thing. I'm going to put the system on trial. <laughs> um, yeah, I got that too. Yeah. Uh, I think it goes away on its own. There we go. <laughs> um, it's a weird thing. I think it's only in our ears, not on the actual recording. Well, that's good. Yeah. Although it makes it sound like we are having some kind of episode. <laughs> um. Yeah, so several months go by, and then Alice's body is discovered. Um, she's clearly been in the lake a, while, a long time, um, but uh, her father goes to identify her, um, and she's buried, and, and you know all that. Um, and so, like I said, this is all presented uh, as it would like uh, some you know a documentary that you'd see on you know Netflix. Well, Netflix, yeah, or, or um, A&E or Travel Channel or something. Anywhere anywhere that does, like, you know, murder documentaries or ghost documentaries, um, th- those kinds of things. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they've got the family just talking about how Alice is gone. You know, they're all trying to cope with that. And you've got, like, neighbors that are talking, uh, neighbors and coworkers and friends and talking about how the Palmer family was reacting to the death of Alice and, you know, this and that. Um, but as things start to unfold, we're finding out that the family is starting to see apparitions of Alice, um, just at different places around the house. Um, we see, and then we start getting word of other people in town, that have seen Alice around the, around the area she drowned um, and just kind of around places. So the Palmer family, who are not really, you know, um, you know, fanatics, like, you know, they're, they're not necessarily like crazy about ghosts, like, oh, yeah, it must, we must be being haunted. In fact, it seems like the dad, uh, Russell, um, is kind of skeptical to the whole thing, but they, um, you know, these things kind of continue to happen. They, they're, they've got a family camcorder that <clears throat> the son Matthew has started to use as a, 
you know, just a way to cope. I guess he gets really into photography. Um, and he starts picking up apparitions and, you know, images of Alice around the house and just around other places. He does this project where he takes the same photograph the same day every month. That's of their backyard. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was like the, the fourth or fifth month in or something. He, he picks up an image of Alice standing in the backyard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, they, and it, it, it's hard to, to talk about this as we would a normal film because it's not done. It's not even like a found footage necessarily. It's literally like a fake documentary. Yeah. So it's hard to kind of break it down into plot points like we would a normal movie. <laughs> um, but, uh, Matthew sets up the, the camcorder in the hallway and he like captures a, a figure running across the, the hallway and then uh, I think at a, at a separate time, you could see like in the mirror, you could see Alice mm -hmm. and, she, but she was like moving. So it wasn't like you knew it wasn't a picture or something. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And so this leads to, uh, you know, people thinking that Alice is still alive um, because like I said, she was photographed at the lake where she supposedly drowned. Um, so there's a lot of uh, controversy about whether or not, uh, Russell correctly identified the body. So there's an exhumation and a DNA test to prove that it, the body is actually Alice. Um, and the, that whole thing, it's just, it, it really reflects like the, uh, the psychological, um, uh, you know, fragility of, of the uh, family and, you know, about how the, the, like friends and coworkers and stuff are trying to, support them even though this crazy stuff's happening it's like you know everybody's basically saying i don't really believe in ghosts but i believe that they saw something don't know what it was but i think they saw something so um yeah and over time it's, uh, they see more and more appar apparitions of alice um until this couple in town um or you know nearby um, they happened to be taking a trip to the same lake where Alice died when this other guy at you know same day, same time had taken a photograph of the lake and caught an image of Alice. Um, at the same time, same location, this couple sees in their footage that this apparition or, you know, the Alice was actually Matthew wearing yeah. Alice's jacket. So this opens up a can of worms um, to where his parents confront him and he comes clean. He says, yeah, I, I did it all. Says, uh, you know, Alice walking across the, um, the hallway was me. Um, the stuff in the mirror was her on TV. He had to just put a, played a, a video of her mm -hmm. and position the mirror so that it showed the TV without showing like the edges of the TV and stuff. Yep. Um, the whole, the image, the the photograph of her in the backyard uh, was doctored. Yeah, it was an old old fashioned photography trick before there was Photoshop, where you basically double expose a, a photo, or where you, where you lay two negatives on top of each other to and and expose it at the same time. Um, yeah, and, and created the image of her in the backyard. Um, and. Uh, yeah, so this it all kind of comes out as fake. Um, 
And I guess b- before this happened, uh, the, the mother, um, June, had sought out the consult of a psychic, a local psychic by the name of Ray, um, who, you know, he'd come out and do a reading, and he's trying to help June as much as possible. And, you know, regardless of where you stand on the, the on the whole psychic legitimacy, legitimacy, like whether or not he's a quack, um, it's kind of irrelevant because he's he's at, he's genuinely whether or not he whether or not he genuinely believes that he's a psychic or not, he seems to be genuine in trying to help the Palmers um, and not just bleed them of money, even though a lot of friends and neighbors seem to think that he is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I thought, I thought it was interesting that when they were doing a seance at the house and the camera was set up and caught an image of Alice sitting on, on the staircase. Um, and he's, he's saying, I've never seen a ghost before. So that was a new experience for me. How did they explain that one? Because that was Matthew too, right? Yeah, he put the TV on the stairs. It was our, yeah. oh, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so basically everything up to that point that they'd seen Alice had all been debunked as Matthew basically creating these these images. Um, and uh, so when they were reviewing. I think June was rewatching the image of Matthew walking across the hallway from inside. And it was filmed from inside of, of Alice's room. As she was watching it, she noticed a little guy, a little guy sitting inside of Alice's closet. Um, and I don't know how, because I couldn't make heads or tails of, of an actual face on this person, but she knew <laughs> that it was their neighbor. Um, what was his name? Brett Tui. Brett Tui was their neighbor. Um, and he was clearly in there trying to look for something. And um, I don't know if, uh, if June already knew about it, but Alice had a little secret hiding space um, in, in, a, in a little lockbox um, be inside of a fireplace. And she seemed to know it was there. Yeah, because she I mean she walked right to it. Right. I don't I don't know if like we were supposed to assume that she had looked around for it previously or, or what, but she pulls out this lockbox and uh, opens it up and she says, Well, there it is, and there's a VHS tape sitting there inside the lockbox. And um, we get a glimpse of what it is, and what it is is a, a sex tape between uh, Alice and Brett and his wife Marissa. <laughs> As soon as June was like, he was clearly looking for something. I was like, sex tape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Or pictures or something. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, oh, shit, it is. <laughs> so. was not expecting it to be a three-way sex tape, though. Yeah. So that was clearly what Brett was looking for because he knew if, you know, if somebody found it that wasn't him, it was obviously, obviously get out which it clearly did. Uh, then they disappeared. The, the Tuies just disappeared off face of the earth. And Russell was just like, as far as I'm concerned, like her blood is on their hands because he thinks that she like committed suicide over the guilt. Yeah, he said he's complicit in their death. Um, so, um, 
I forget exactly how this comes up, but Ray admits that several months prior to her death, he had actually met with Alice. And this is kind of like a doctor-patient confidentiality thing, just, you know, his um, professional uh, belief is that he's not going to share the business of his clients with other clients, regardless of whether or not they're family. He says to a documentary film crew about yeah. his clients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it all clearly came out anyway. Um, so, and uh, it shows their interview because Ray records all of his sessions with his clients for their own personal use if they want to review it at some point or if he wants to go back and review it at some point. Um, and, uh, he, they show his session with Alice and she's basically describing, uh, being, you know, the exact method of her death, describing being, having drowned, um, and, you know, not, not being able to be rescued by anyone. Um, then, uh, we find out that Alice's boyfriend, who was completely unaware of her affair with the Tuies, um, had footage of his class trip to Lake Mungo, um, where it shows Alice basically burying something in, in the ground. Uh, well, her family sees this and it's like, well, what the hell is that? And so they decide that they're going to go out to Lake Mungo because they, act, based on the landscape, they know exactly where it was. They go and they find what she buried. And it was a little plastic bag full of uh, just little trinkets, you know, bracelets and rings and her cell phone. Um, so they bring her cell phone home, plug it in, and they review a video that she took while she was on this class trip where it shows her walking into the darkness on her own um, and closing in quick on her is this corpse and you know as somebody who's who's watched who's been watching the film you know that that corpse is actually her so she saw a image of her own dead body months before she died um so uh yeah so this naturally freaks the palmers out but um they believe that having found the sex tape having found this video um that she, that she saw basically an image of her own death that her spirit you know if there if it has been in the house is now at peace and they they can as a family move on with their lives because they say that like oh things kind of started return to normal um and they decide that you know in moving on with their lives it's time for them to move out, move out of the house just too many bad memories um and so that's kind of like the last we see of the palmers um, and right before, you know, the credits start rolling, we get a sequence of pictures that we've seen, sequ uh, pictures and video that we've seen previously in, in the movie or in, in the film. Uh, it's an image of the three of them, the, the, the remaining Palmer standing out in front of their house. And from inside, you can see Alice standing in the window. Um, there's an image of, I think it was Alice's birthday. So this is Buddhism before she died? I think it was Matthew's birthday. Was it Matthew's? Okay. Uh, and, you know, bringing, it's a video of June bringing out the cake, and in the background, 
right over her shoulder. You, you never even notice uh, is, is Alice standing in the background. Yeah, because they showed that same video earlier. So it's like you said, it's all stuff that we've already seen. Yeah. Stuff, you know, you, you wouldn't have noticed if you didn't know it was there. They they show the, the backyard photo again. And it's like you can see, you know, the the photoshopped Alice. But then when it pans over and there's actually Alice is standing over in the garden yep. off to the right. So, yeah, I mean, even though all of these apparitions were staged by, by Matthew, it's very clear that Alice was still there as, as, as a spiritual presence. So, um, yeah, and then uh, after the credits, there's a, there's a quick... Like completely pointless. Yeah, it's basically like Mungo, and there's a thunderstorm or a lightning storm. And as the lightning flashes, you see Alice standing there. So, um, so yeah. What'd you think? Meh. Yeah. I, I do have to say that regardless of the quality of the story or, or whatever, the people in it, like watching it, I was convincing. Yeah, I would think it was real. Yeah, like, I would think it was an actual documentary that I was watching on TV. Yeah, I, I thought that while I was watching it, I was like, "This, this feels very genuine." Like, mm-hmm. But I and I think that the the method kind of lends itself to that because you're not like stuck hard and fast to a script. Yeah, and so you can kind of like you know do your ums and your you know uh, kind of collecting yourself and stuff that is more natural that you wouldn't do in a scripted movie. Yeah. And I think that's probably what it was is that I, I would say probably 95% of it wasn't scripted. It was probably just all ad libbed. Um, yeah. They probably just said, you know, here's the point you need to get to. Mm-hmm. And then just however you get to that in the most natural way. Yeah. And it's like, you know, off screen you had, uh, the, the, the director, Joel Anderson, um, asking questions as, you know, as a documentarian, um, asking questions and you know if you've watched one of these on tv before you know how that goes they'll ask questions just to kind of you know clarify things and that's what he was doing so i think that was helping it's like okay well i'm gonna ask you questions just answering character yeah um but yeah the the story itself it kind of ambled along um you know like it it's a ghost story and then it's not and then it is again and um it was a little it almost seemed like they were just trying to kind of fill time until they got to the end <laughs> um it did seem to drag it's only an hour and a half long but it did like at points it's just like god damn how much more worth this is there well yeah like the whole thing with the sex tape i didn't really understand the the need for it yeah it was definitely combining the feel you get like because there are two different versions of these kinds of documentaries like i said there's like the murder kind and, you know, they're talking about, like, serial killers or, you know, the, you know survivors of serial killers or, or whatever. And then people who have believe they've been haunted. Uh, and it seemed like it was trying to combine the two. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I think a lot of times it meshed pretty well, but there were definitely instances where it was, like, one or the other and it kept floating back and forth. Yeah. So, I, I, I get what you mean. Um, yeah, I mean, all in all, like. Like, it's not bad. It's one of the better found footage movies. If you could even call it that. <laughs> That's true. I mean, yeah, it's it's a, a mockumentary. Uh, but, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's like, for me, the story itself, I didn't find all that interesting because I'm not big on ghost stories. Um, and I really, like, my wife watches these kind of documentaries all the time. And I'm so fucking sick to death of them. <laughs> um, so, but having watched so many of them at this point, I definitely believed it. Like, it, it, this is like, this is very authentic. This yeah. is definitely what I've yeah. seen, you know, time and time again. So I've got two frames of, of thought, I guess. Like one, it's like, I'm not super interested in the movie. The, the story itself doesn't really appeal to me, but at the same time, it was done very well. Mm-hmm. So I'm, t- I'm trying to find like a good middle ground, I guess. Um, oh, I just had something I want to say and now it's gone. Oh, oh like uh, from a horror perspective, there's never any fear. Like, I mean, I guess if people are scared of ghosts, then it's like, oh my God, a ghost. Ah. But like, <laughs> like the people in the movie are never in any danger. Yeah. yeah they seem to feel, they, yeah, like even though they think they might be haunted, they, and maybe it's because it's their daughter, they never seem like they feel threatened. Yeah. Or scared. Um, more and more in pain, I guess, or just like worry that they're, that Alice is trying to tell them something and, and is unable to, or, you know, something like that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's, it builds itself as a psychological horror, but again, there were the, not only were the people in it not ever in any danger, like you said, they never felt like they were in any danger. Mm-hmm. It was always, you know, if they see an apparition of Alice, it's like, oh, what's she trying to tell us? What's, uh, you know, what, what's, uh, what's keeping her from crossing over? What can yeah. we, do? what can we do? It was, it was never like, oh my god, it's spooky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing that kind of took me out of it, and you know, maybe I'm just remembering the early 2000s differently, but um, that was kind of when. Uh, you know, digital video started getting more popular. Not necessarily on phones like it is now, but like digital cameras. Yeah, it's so funny. The the cell phone footage of this is just so grainy well, and pixelated. In 2005, that's what cell phone oh, cameras I know, but like. just like watching it now and yeah. being like, why is this so shitty? Yeah. <laughs> and having to remind yourself, oh, right, this is not present day. This um, is not an iPhone 37 or whatever the fuck number they're up to. Yeah. It has 87.2 HD digital surround bullshit mega super pixels yeah um but no like you know when they show like the family family videos they're all presented as if they're like vhs and maybe they were but uh i feel like even 2005 when this took place uh it would have been more more digital not necessarily like vhs anymore. yeah and the tape too was it was a tape it was an actual VHS tape yeah which I don't know maybe that makes a little more sense I don't know like like I said it's almost twenty years ago so it's hard to quite remember what technology was like back then but especially because it's advanced so fast yeah in twenty years um, but anyway. <sighs> I don't know. What what do you think? I want to I want to hear what your rating is. 
I mean, overall, like like you said, it was made incredibly well. It was very convincing for what it was. Uh, the, I think the documentary style worked very well to kind of give you the sense of realism. Um, and all of like the, you know, the ghost stuff. And even though it ended up being fake, but it, it was all done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did look like it was, you know, just someone's videotape footage or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the story itself, I thought was a little, uh, a uh, little all over the place. And again, just ghost stories are just so hard to do. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the stuff I don't like is like my personal opinions. Like I don't like ghost stories and I don't like found footage and all this stuff, mm-hmm. but the movie's done really well. So if you're into that kind of stuff, I would definitely recommend it. Um, I'm going to go to six. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I'm, I'm pretty much in the, in the same boat as you, or it's like, it's not my type of film. It's not my type of subject matter, but it was done really well. And I can't, I can't knock it for that. Just right. I'm trying to just go from like a, you know, trying to take my opinions out of it. And, but I'm just basing it on, you know, the quality was not the quality of the movie itself, the way it looked, because it did look like a, you know, something on TV. Yeah. It didn't, you know, it wasn't ultra HD or anything like that. Um, yeah. But I, I knocked down points, right? I, the, for the story, I think it kind of weaved around too much. Yeah. Yeah. The story definitely did seem a little scattered at points. Um, but I, there's definitely going to be somebody out there. But at the same time, like if you watch these kind of documentaries, they do that. Yeah. Where or like all of a sudden you just take this sharp right turn. Where all, now all of a sudden you're talking about something that had nothing to do with what you were talking about in episode one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like I said, it's not my, my cup of tea necessarily, but um, I know there's going to be somebody out there that will that it will enjoy this um, combined with the, the style that was done very well and very convincingly. Um, I'll give it a seven. I thought about giving it a seven, but I was just, I don't know. I was, I don't want to say I was bored for part of it. Cause I wasn't really bored, but I was just not as into it as I wanted to be. I mean, obviously Max liked it. <laughs> hey, you know, it's six and one and, Seven and the other. That's not the saying. <laughs> Could be. It's six and one half dozen. <laughs> which makes a full dozen. And then you have six in the other hand. And then you got a dozen and a half. Wait, no. <laughs> What's a baker's dozen? Okay. Um <laughs> Moving on to our second review, uh, 2016 Irish-British horror film. Uh, This was chosen by Kevin Nesgoda. It is a dark song. I've done this three times. Once it worked, twice it didn't. I have to hear his voice again. This is your last chance to back out. Seal it. You do know what we're taking on. A shifting consciousness. Becoming one with the ceremony. Pure. And 
is real stuff we're playing with. Real angels, real demons. How do we know that it started? You'll see it soon enough. May my light be here now. May protecting me. Drink it! Just remember who's paying for this. Do you know the ritual? No. You agreed to do whatever I said. Sorry. Sorry, Mr. Solomon. Sorry, Mr. Solomon. Take off your jeans. I mentioned to you earlier today that I had, I started watching this and I realized I'd seen it before. Mm-hmm. And like, I was so pissed off because it was getting later in the day. I needed to get up here so I could record, but I had to watch this fucking movie. And like, I'm watching it. I'm like, wait, I've seen this before. Like, well, maybe I don't have to watch it. And then like, I let it go for about 10 more minutes. Like, I don't remember anything. Yeah, I don't remember this. <laughs> so. Plus you already paid for it, so. Yeah, which um, which I didn't before. It must have been free at some point. Oh, really? Maybe it was on Shutter or something. Maybe. Uh, so this movie centers on Sophia, who has just rented out this giant fucking house uh, out apparently in in Wales. And it, it's funny because she's like walking through the the house, you know, with the realtor or whatever, and he he seems like he doesn't really think that she can afford it. And like he's just kind of pandering to her, mm-hmm. but she's asking like really weird questions. She's like, "What direction does this room face?" And he's like, "West," and she's like, mm, "West." <laughs> then he's like, "You know, it's ten thousand four hundred dollars a week or month or whatever pounds, pounds, right?" And she just like hands over this big stack of Monopoly money. She's like, "That's for you, sweet cheeks." Yeah, she's like, "This, I, I appreciate your discretion." <laughs> Yeah, he like and he's like no filming porno. <laughs> At least that's what I would have been like. Uh, yeah, he says like, or she says she only wants it for like six months or something like that. It's, yeah, it's very short term. And then uh, he says, well, the minimum contract's one year, so basically she has to rent it for a minimum of one year. Yeah, and she's like, fine, year. Here's the, all the money yeah. plus more. Um. You buy yourself something nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was trying to feel your breast. I know. I know what you're doing. <laughs> that on Always Sunny when uh, Frank is like, <laughs> she's like, you can just hand that to me. He's like, I was trying to feel your breast. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so she rents this giant house and then uh, she brings in this guy, Joseph Solomon. Where have I seen this guy before? I swear I've seen this guy in something else. You know, I looked at his IMDb and I didn't really recognize anything. He reminded me of um, uh, Chris Sullivan from This Is Us. Oh, I don't watch that. There are times when he reminded me of Nick Frost. Yeah, definitely. Like he, like he reminded me of Nick Frost from Truth Seekers. Yeah. Um, but he's this occultist. Doesn't look familiar. Um, That's what he reminded me of. He's this occultist, and he, uh, um, Sophia has hired him to do some kind of ritual. And as things go on, we we learn that she lost her her son, and he's doing some kind of ritual to help her communicate with him. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that it's not just like a seance where it's like I'll come in one night and we'll light some candles and see what we can see. It's this month long process. Yeah, he says it could take like six, maybe even eight months. Yeah. And he, you know, he's like like drawing things all over the floors and, and just putting her through just these rigors of just torture. And she's not getting that security deposit back. <laughs> no, she's not. Um Yeah, he like the the first day he comes in and he dumps water on her and he's like, What the hell are you doing in bed? You're supposed to be downstairs <laughs> making my breakfast. <laughs> Um, man, this movie's gonna be kind of hard to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and it's not all. It's like so confusing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's designed that way. Yeah. So Solomon is. He just keeps telling her like, "You have to do whatever I say." You know, and he he'll tell her like he gives her a mushroom or something, and he's like, "Eat this." And she's like, it's a toadstool. And he's like, you need to fucking do whatever I say. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. And so like, it kind of goes back and forth where at times Solomon seems like a real asshole. And you're just like, is he just like fucking with her? And he's, yeah. he's, he's scamming her for money. But then like other times he gets so serious about this where he's like, if you don't do exactly what I say, then this ritual will not work. Yeah. And he's like, I don't care about the money. I don't care about you. All I care about is doing this ritual. Well, cause he is getting something out of it too. Right. Because it takes two of them to complete this ritual. And so he's he says at one point, like, I've been waiting for you. Um, and so basically, are you, are you going to get into explaining what the ritual is supposed to do? Or have you already? Um, I, I mean, I said that she, she's trying to summon her son. I didn't really get any farther than that. So, like, basically, he's trying to summon her guardian angel who will grant her a wish. Right. And... Apparently, he will also be allowed to ask a wish. So that's why he, that, that's his, what he's getting out of it. Did he ever say what his wish was? He said he wanted to be invisible. Um, but he said not like, you know, hollow man invisible, but like. Uh, Did he say hollow man? I don't think he said hollow man. <laughs> he's just not literally invisible. He just wants to be able to like be left alone. You know, like nobody bothers him anymore. It just for all intents and purposes, be invisible. There's also a really weird line where he says, I've done this three times before. One time it worked, one time it didn't. Yeah. And I was like, what about the third? Yeah. Unless he was including this third time or this, this time, this was the third time. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't phrase it that way. No. Did you mention the salt circle around the house? No. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I was I was going to get into that. Okay. But it's, uh, part part of the ritual is that he surrounds the entire house with uh, with a salt circle, and he says, "You know, once once I do this, nobody can leave. So you can't leave for an emergency. You can't leave for any reason whatsoever, or there will be dire consequences." And she's like, "Like what?" And he's like, "Dire <laughs> consequences." Top men. <laughs> And she's like, you know, yeah, that, that I understand all this stuff. And so he, you know, every time he talks about the ritual, he tells her that he's summoning real demons and real angels. So it's not a, a spirit or a ghost or anything like that. It's it's demons and angels. Yeah, it's, it's black magic. I mean, in you know, in, uh, all the all the scary demon movies and you know, satanic movies you've ever seen, it's that kind of black magic he's, right. he's using. And I. I Again, I don't understand why she couldn't just like hire a medium to come into a seance, like you know, skip the middleman. Well, she's not being totally forthright with him, which was a big mistake. That's true. Um, this is from 2016, so we can't spoil this one. Okay, that's right. Five years. Oh, all right. Spoilers ahead. Fuck um, it. <laughs> that's gonna make this easier to talk about. Oh, it says it was a 2016 film, and it was released in theaters and digital platforms in 2017. Oh, so it's a 2016 movie? Got it. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I said, he's putting her through all these like torturous things where he's like making her eat stuff she doesn't want to eat, and um, you know she has to like eat the shit, <laughs> make him eat a turd sandwich. <laughs> um, you know she has to like kneel and like recite these things for hours on end and all this stuff. Um, then. At one point, he wants her to do this forgiveness ceremony or ritual or whatever. And she's like, I don't do forgiveness. Yeah. Which is the first time where you're kind of like, why, why not? Yeah. <laughs> That's a very uh, sociopathic thing to yeah. say. <laughs> um, but Solomon is just like, you you know, you have to or this won't work. And she's she says you've worked around other things, which I feel like they kind of glossed over. But um She's just, can you work around this? And he's like, yeah, I guess so. And so he he makes her drink his blood. Mm-hmm. This was another weird scene where she drinks it and then like she puts down the glass and the glass is full again. Yeah. And I didn't really understand how that happened. Yeah, it just repeats because like she chokes down his blood and she tr- try, tries to refuse it at first. And he's like, you didn't want to do it the my way. So this is how what we have to do. Yeah. And so he she chokes it down and then she's about to throw it up. He's like, don't throw it up. Keep it down. And then, uh, you know, she finally, like, kind of settles herself. He's just, like, look at it. It's congealing. Yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> and she finally settles herself after, you know, trying to fight throwing up. And she looks back and he's yelling at her again. It's like, drink it. It's congealing. And she's like, but I just did. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Uh, I don't know. But over the course of this ritual, just weird shit starts happening. Like, kind of inexplicable. Yeah, like she gets real impatient a couple times and she starts yelling at him, you know, that I, I think you're full of shit. Like, why is nothing happening? Yeah. And then like the smallest thing will happen and he'll be like, see, this is the ritual working. Yeah. And so you're kind of just like, is this guy a con man? Or like, what's what's going on here? Um, but then like the second part of her refusing the um, forgiveness ceremony is he says, well, then, you know, we're, we're going to have to have sex. And he yeah. warned her in the beginning. He was like, you know, 
because he said she had to stop having sex however long ago and be like pure or whatever he said but there may come a time where as part of the ritual and so like she gets naked and he just jerks off in his pants and he was just like no we're not having sex obviously you have to be pure yeah he's like this is just for me and she's just like you're an asshole also so one thing that's kind of underlying and it it pops up a few times is that he's a drunk yeah and when they first get there you see him put a bottle of jack in his underwear drawer yeah and he starts detoxing like there's one point where he's like just suddenly looks like death he's like pale white just pouring sweat she's like what's wrong with you he's like well i've had a hard life i'm a bit of a drunk and so i'm just dt'ing right now it's like, don't worry, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I do like when he gives her the mushroom and she's like, he's like, tells her it's going to, you know, cleanse her physically. And she's like, is it going to be awful? And he's like, yup. <laughs> and then it cuts to her puking in the toilet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's several points throughout this whole ritual where you're like, is he, cause he keeps like, like eyeballing that bottle of, of booze mm-hmm. and just like several points where you're like, is he drunk? I mean, is this actually part of it, or is he just fucking with her? Right. And yeah, that part where the ritual sex, he basically makes her strip down. It's like, all right, don't turn over, or turn around, and bend over, and get on your knees. And he's just like, <laughs> and then he like, he's like, okay, now get dressed. She's like, that wasn't sex, you little fucker. It's like, of course not. You have to be cunt. Yeah. Like, of course not. You you have to be pure. He's like, that was just for me. Now get out of here, sweet tits. <laughs> Money's on the table. <laughs> but no, then at some point she like he he says, you know, you're lying to me. You need to tell me the truth. I don't know how he found out, but um, she says my son was kidnapped and murdered. Well, she she's she starts getting really upset because you know he says that there's a series of, of I mean, it's a long drawn out ritual and like. The whole process is really confusing, but there are like five circles around this one large circle. And he says basically in each circle, they're going to do a different ritual. Right. And each one is like, a it's not a different element, but it's like a different um, element of the earth. Yeah. Says, but like one was like fire and earth or something. like. So it wasn't like each one was its own. There was one was darkness. Yeah. Darkness. <laughs> but yeah, it was like each one represented some kind of element or um you know some kind of spiritual thing or some kind of earth yes so you know after several months of doing these rituals and he says you know these rituals for each circle can take days or weeks so you know after so many circles and still nothing and he says you know each one is going to get gradually more powerful says likely we'll see something some results from like the fifth or fourth or fifth circle so they're going on and, you know, they keep getting little little nuggets of things that might be working, but still no, no guardian angels presented itself. And uh, that's she she loses her shit and says, well, it's not fucking working. What, why is it not working? And he's like, are you being honest with me? Because if you're not, it's not going to work. And that's when it kind of comes out that she's not her intentions weren't exactly what she implied. Yeah, her her son was kidnapped and murdered, and so she doesn't want to just she doesn't want to ask the guardian angel to speak with him. She wants to ask the guardian angel for revenge. Yeah, which is why she doesn't do forgiveness. Right. 
And yeah, this sets Solomon off. And he's like, you know, you ruined everything. You, we can't do the ritual because you, you lied to me. Um, and they kind of get in a little tussle and she shoves him and he lands on a knife. Mm, that didn't happen yet. No? Nope. Oh. That, that was later. Okay. Ignore that. <laughs> uh, no, he, he says, you know, he comes to her. I think she was sleeping, right? And he's like, we have, to, we have to cleanse you since you lied to me. And so he like draws her this bath. At this point, yeah. too, she's like, have you been drinking? And he's just like, shut up and get in the bath. Yeah. <laughs> and he's basically baptizing her and, you know, reciting different things. And But then on the third time he dunks her, he like holds her down until the bubbles stop. And you can kind of see that this is coming because in in his little, ch- you know, chant or whatever that he's saying, you know, it's talking about how you have to, uh, you know, breach the veil. Or, you know, like, uh, you know, reach the precipice of the of the veil or something to that effect. So it's like, he's going to drown her, like, and then bring her back to life. Like, you can, just based on what he's saying, you can see what's going to happen. Either that or he's going to jerk off again and he's going to edge himself. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the third time he holds her down until the bubbles stop. Uh, but then he revives her, brings her back. Um, and then the, this is when she she gets really mad that it was like hey you fucking killed me that's not okay yeah this was not what i agreed upon so they get in a little tussle he lands on the knife knife sticking out of his side and th- again he's like see this is it this is the ritual working and i'm like no you fell on a knife yeah like, that shit happens every day yeah <laughs> uh his wound starts to get really infected and gross and just ooze yellow stuff yeah um as they do yeah um, she, you know, tries to take care of him best she can, but she can't leave the house. Yeah. And he's she, like, she can't get him any first aid. Yeah. As he's like getting sicker and sicker, he's starting to forget shit. Like, you know, they're supposed to do certain things a certain number of times. And she's like, well, you do it six times. Wait, no, 12. She's like, is it six or 12? I think it's nine. <laughs> Yeah, six, definitely six. Definitely, definitely six. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, Gotta watch Wapner. But he eventually dies in his sleep, and so she goes, and she's looking through his books, and all his books are just marked out. Everything's crossed out. Everything's blacked out with a big fat marker. Motherfucker. So she's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. Walks through the front door. Walks past the, the salt ring. Breaches the perimeter, tries to start her car. Her car won't work. So then she just walks down this long, winding road. And eventually she sees a house and she's like, I played Cheryl Crow. No, I think it was Green Day. <laughs> it's actually Cheryl Crow covering Green Day. Right. <laughs> um, finally, she sees a house and she's like, oh, thank God, please, somebody be home. She walks up to it and realizes it's it's the house. It's the mansion she was just in. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, fuck. <laughs> fuck a duck. So she goes back in and all of a sudden there's all these demons in the house. And jackals. <laughs> <laughs> and they eventually drag her into the basement, cut off her finger. And uh, she 
as as they're like closing in on her, she's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And she's like, "Oh, she's forgiving. Hey, she did the thing." And so then all of a sudden, this white light comes from upstairs, and she breaks free, goes upstairs, and there's just this giant guy kneeling in the living room with like ancient Grecan armor on. Yeah. And uh, apparently, this is her guardian angel. I mean, yeah, I, I guess if like you told me that was a guardian angel, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, sure, why not? It's like yeah, that could be what a garden angel looks like. And he starts mouthing stuff, but they don't ever like they don't play what he's saying. There's just music playing, and you just see him going. Yep, making mouth noises. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yep. um, and she asks him for the ability to forgive. And uh, instead of wreaking revenge on teenagers, and then you see her burying Solomon at, at sea or in a lake pond or whatever the fuck it is pond pool pond would be good for you <laughs> uh and that's it and then she then she drives away and then a car goes by and she goes huh <laughs> movie's over that's it this is a weird one it was it was fucking all over the place um yeah i didn't i didn't know if the ritual was going to be real i didn't know if anything was actually going to happen I, for most of it, I thought Solomon was full of shit. I thought he was some kind of con man. Um, and he was just, you know, trying to take her for money and sex. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really hard to tell because like, you know, he, everything he had, looked very official. All of his little crazy notebooks his, and, and his capes, yeah, his, capes. <laughs> his turban. <laughs> um, and it's funny cause he's like this, like, you know, experienced occultists you know like you know a black black magician that's not that sounds weird a master of the black arts there you go <laughs> um of sorts but he's just this fucking english guy with a big red beard and big thick glasses he's a drunk yeah so it's like you know she goes to pick him up from the train station and he's so like unsuspect like like to look at him he just looks like a guy he's like fucking backpacking through europe or something right. he's got like a bucket hat on it's like this is not the guy i'd expect to like if i was doing that i'd expect like somebody like fucking anton LaVey to show up <laughs> yeah but no it's just this guy wearing a fucking bucket hat and a puffer vest well it's funny like you compare him to ray the medium from lake mungo yeah and he was you know older and he had like glasses and he was very well spoken very um to the point and very exact in his, in his speaking stuff. And then this guy is like, yeah, he seems like a guy who's like on spring break or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, um, you know, the relationship between the two of them is, I feel like it's, you know, we've all experienced, you know, if you live with somebody over the last year, the ups and downs of being in close quarters with somebody 24 hours a day, uh, Up, ups and downs and ups and downs. It's like ups and downs, ups and downs. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> um, but, uh, and you know, it shows that like where she's like losing her shit on him because she thinks that he's, that he's fucking her over. And then, you know, the next scene they're sitting there smoking a cigarette and laughing with each other, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, if he's a con man, like that's their whole thing is they're very good at convincing you that they're not con men. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're confident. Hence the name. Hence the name. <laughs> Confidence man too. 
Um, I never saw the first Confidence Man. <laughs> I ain't gonna snitch, man. Um, wait, no, that was that was a different one. Yeah, that was when he was scared inmate too, right? <laughs> I ain't gonna snitch, man. Um, yeah, but yeah, this it's a strange one. Um, just it's so frantic. Um, like it almost makes you feel claustrophobic. Um, well, yeah, I mean, very isolated, very contained because they can't leave this house. Mm-hmm. And you know, this house is like. Kind of, kind of dilapidated a little bit, um, and uh, there's no heat. So, and like at one point, the electricity goes out, so everything's lit by candlelight. So it's just it, like even though you're not there in person, you kind of like feel this gradual like, like, in, like increasing un- uncomfortability. Is that the word? I don't know. Lack of comfort, uncomfortableness whatever discomfort there you go that's the one <laughs> um yeah again as a horror um you know like yes it's supernatural but that doesn't really come to light until the very end yeah i mean like it presents itself as supernatural but at the same time you're wondering if it's all bullshit right um but there is just this weird you know, a feeling of being trapped in a house with this person who maybe has ulterior motives or false pretenses. Yeah. Um, and so there is this kind of psychological horror to it, but not, not in like a seven kind of way. Like it's, it's a, it's hard to explain, but it's a different kind of, of horror. Yeah. You know, the, the field of it reminded me of, uh, we are the flesh. Yeah. Um, to where it's just very isolated and kind of, you feel like maybe you're not, well, so as far as like we are the flesh where, you know, you're, it makes you think that you're there in like this post-apocalyptic world. Um, and it's just this little tribe that's trying to survive or something like that. This, I guess having that notion of being deceived you know, watching this, it's like, okay, is this bullshit in the same way that was? And, you know, again, there's the isolation, these two people, you know, who don't know each other, living together. Yeah. Um, spending every and week. And he's making her go through these, like, traumatic things. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, they have nothing to do with each other as, as far as the films go. But I feel this like one has less masturbation. Less masturbation. Not no masturbation. But less. Less nudity. Less gratuitous nudity. Yeah. And, you know, full penetration. Yeah. <laughs> less incest. Yeah. Um, there were some boobies. So I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, again, like, like Mungo, this isn't necessarily my cup of tea, but it was, it wasn't bad. Um, I'd say seven and good. Like, I feel like as I was watching it, I was like, I don't really like this. But then as we're talking about it, I'm like, 
Maybe I did. <laughs> um, yeah, this this one is it's kind of hard to pin down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think seven is the way to go. There you go. All right. Well, we did it, guys. And this is going to be probably about two hours on the dot, so short for us. Yeah, relatively. Um, but yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, I think, what, are we doing our, our special episode next time, or is that the one after? Which special episode? Fear Street. No. Next episode is our uh, kind of impromptu week of the werewolf. That's right. Where there just happens to be two werewolf movies coming out that we want to see. Yep. So we're going to watch Werewolves Within and Bloodthirsty. Yeah, buddy. I'm such a shill for werewolf movies. A a, a mark, as you might say. I might. You wrestling people. Yeah. (laughs) We say that. Um, Yeah. And then, yeah, Fear Street's after that. So, surprise. Yeah, we're going to do the whole trilogy in one episode, guys. Yeah, so uh, we might skip horror business for that one. Really? Well, we can talk about three movies. Yeah. Unless you don't want to just do a long episode. Mm, we'll see. Mm-hmm. That's what we'll do. We'll see. <laughs> Only one thing left to do now. Let's see. Okay. Um, well, look for that in a couple weeks, guys. Not Fear Street. The werewolf episode. The werewolf gimmick. <laughs> Until then, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us wherever they listen to their podcast, as long as that place is not Spotify, which is becoming more and more of a problem. But Is it? I feel like Spotify is getting bigger and bigger in the podcast space, but mm, bother. Um, there's like people are doing like ex- podcasts exclusively on Spotify now. Like, Well, fucking la-di-da. Well, but we're not. We're everywhere but Spotify. Fuck Spotify. So... Uh, I mean, worst case scenario, you can head over to graveplotpodcast.com, download the episodes directly from us. Uh, then we don't have to pay a commission. No, we don't pay a commission for shit. Come no, on. I don't. This is just shit's free. We do this for free. But if you would like to contribute to the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Get perks for as little as $1. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as graveplotpodcast or on Twitter at grave underscore plot. For pennies a day, you can support a podcast like us. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to be a big brother to someone like me? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll catch up with you next episode. Until then, I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Mm-hmm.